Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief, Global News. Good morning, Keith. You'll get the hang of this someday. <laughs> so I can turn the microphones on a little late, and that's okay. All right. Uh, Surrey policing. I mean, this is kind of like the eternal battle, the eternal saga that keeps going on and on. So it was interesting to see Norm Lipinski, the chief of the Surrey Police Service here. He'd been very quiet here over the last several weeks. He sort of stuck his head up out of the foxhole here yesterday, talking yeah. to everybody, saying, and basically saying, let's go. Can we get on with this and let us keep setting up our police force? Here? Yeah, and the other thing that's happened is now the the uh, unredacted report, uh, again, which is now distributed, or starting to circulate at Surrey City Hall because councillors are signing the non-disclosure agreement. So we've got at least two councillors, Linda Annis and Doug Alford, have signed this non-disclosure agreement. They've seen the report. Alfred put a news release out this morning. Um, and now you've got Brenda Locker still refusing to sign that report. But uh, And he also had uh, Evie uh, talking about how there's going to be a council meeting soon. So I think the impression that's coming out of there is that all it takes is one councillor to flip on this, who had been back in the RCMP. Now, if they see the report and flips over to the SPS, if there's another vote, it would go from 5-4 in favor of going back to the RCMP, conceivably to 5-4 to go forward with SPS. The report, of course, is the provincial report that mm -hmm. was generated by Mike Farnworth. And Brenda Locke, the Surrey mayor, was complaining a lot of it was blacked out and censored and redact redacted. But the, the province said, if you sign this non-disclosure agreement, we'll show you the complete report. And, and, and she has refused to sign, but you're saying some councillors have signed this Alfred and Annis for two are two. This is so weird. Far. So now well, you've got some councillors have seen this full report and others have not. Is that right? Yep. I'm not sure yeah. exactly who hasn't seen it or who hasn't, but we know because Alfred put a news release out. Linda Annis has talked to the media yeah. that they've signed the agreement and they're going through it. And my understanding uh, is that the unredacted information is basically really granular staffing levels of both police services on a, yeah. on a geographical basis and a time of day basis. So you find out how many RCMP officers there are in a certain area of Surrey at a certain type of day. Stuff you don't want to necessarily share with the criminal with element. With the bad guys, no. With the bad guys. Yeah. Um, but it also will, and certainly the, the inference from Doug Elford's news release today is that... Um, that if you read this report, you would see it seems to bolster his argument and their argument to go back to go forward with Surrey Police Services. So it, it, right. the plot thickens, shall okay. we say. So let's listen to Premier David Eby here. He was asked about this. Can we just get on with this? And when is this all going to be over? Here's what he had to say. You'll also hear global reporter Janet Brown here. Have a listen. There's an upcoming uh, city council meeting on uh, June 5th uh, when the report will be presented and uh, there'll be debate about this and ultimately we can all move forward. However, Mayor Brenda Locke, who is traveling to a meeting in Toronto, says in a statement, there is no planned vote for June 5th, and it's unclear, she says, where this suggestion is coming from. Okay, so David Eby seemed to suggest that, oh, this is going to be voted on by City Council here in a couple of weeks. It's always been a bit of an unclear how you get that motion on the table. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure what the city municipal rules are in terms of moving motions and getting votes and that type of thing. So EBC seemed to leave the impression there was a vote. There's certainly a meeting, but Brenda Locke's saying there's not going to be a vote. But okay. if, all, if suddenly five councillors want to go a different direction than Brenda Locke, there's going to be a lot of pressure to have another vote. Okay, we'll have more on Surrey Police later on the show here. Let's talk about the, the continuing... Uh focus on Surrey Memorial Hospital here and, and Dr. Urbane Ip. So this is the doctor who's now mm -hmm. speaking out and has done some interviews with, with Global News. Let, let's replay the clip that he said where he talks about how uh, the delays in the emergency room, he describes it as a crisis at this hospital, and there's pressure from the health authority on doctors to sh shut up 
and not tell the public what's going on. Let's listen to the story he told about the poster, okay? So listen to this doctor here talk about this emergency room poster. We tried to design a sign, a poster on the, uh, to put in the, waiting, uh, in the waiting room to tell patient that we are having resource problems, so today we might be, uh, there might be delays seeing you. But if you have a heart attack, if you have a really critical illness, we'll see you first. But those minor things, you might have to have a long delay. Fraser Health, they didn't want us to put that on. They pulled that poster down. Okay, so he continues to say the phrase of the health authority here is putting pressure on doctors here. Yeah, so he's got three examples. That's one of them. Another one was that uh, a vice president telling doctors you can talk to me, but you have to go through Fraser Communications, which is sort of a dead end once once you enter that field. And another one about um, not being allowed to put certain information on a pr- patient's chart, um, which would make the situation about staffing shortages. Yeah, yeah. So it's there's no there's no gag order from the health ministry or it, it, health minister Adrian Nixon made it very clear. He says doctors are free to speak. However, the health authority seems to have some set of rules yeah. governing of how you, doctors can communicate. So there's a health authority right now, and it's interesting. Yesterday at Global, we were trying and we were told we were going to get. A sta- uh, on-camera interview with Fraser Health all day long, and they basically said no, even though we were told early on oh, that was going to happen, uh, which is why we ended up getting Health Minister Adrian Nix, who's very accessible and very available all the time, but we wanted to go right to the health authority who's running the show here, and they've gone to ground. They won't uh, They won't respond to uh. Dr. Ip's uh, um, uh, sort of stories and anecdotes on camera. Well, they certainly should respond. Let's listen to the health minister here. Here's Adrian Dix. Let's listen. There is no restraint on people speaking out at Surrey Memorial Hospital or anything else. That no restraint is protected in, in regulation. So he's saying that they're allowed to speak out, like you said. Yeah. So, but again, the health authority, these health authorities are fair. And we saw this in the pandemic. Uh, at the height of it, where the health authorities refused to communicate on a many issues and deferred everything to Dr. Bonnie Henry. Didn't matter if your question had nothing to do with COVID. It was just basically health. Well, you know, uh, ask Dr. Henry that. So they just went to ground with a lot of communications. Now, they're very large health authorities, and they're very independent, and they're independent from government in many ways. So I think you see some frustration from Dix, who I think is frustrated with Fraser Health, refusing to sort of be out there and explain and counter or explain and respond to comments such as Dr. Ip's comments. Right. Let's listen to another another comment here from Dr. Urbane Ip here. Here he is talking about the health authority here pressuring doctors to be quiet. Let's listen. There is indication that Fraser Health for sure doesn't want us to talk to the public about this. Okay, so he keep you know he's pointing the finger at the health authority, like you said. Mm-hmm. So the health authority should respond to this. I think they should. I mean, we've been trying to get them to respond uh, on camera, not just a statement where they, they take no questions. I mean, here you got, you know, Adrian Dix, we've done several interviews with the health minister on this. He doesn't shy away from questions, but the health authority just, you know, defers and, and just doesn't want to be held accountable. Okay, we continue to follow that one. Okay, a few days left in the Alberta election yes. campaign. I know we've both been following this. Seems to be razor close. They had a big turnout at the advanced polls. So it appears that the people in Alberta are paying attention to this election. So maybe we'll get a big turnout on Election Day on Monday. Here is the NDP leader, the former premier, Rachel Notley. She uh, voted at an advance poll, came out, talked to the media. Here's what she had to say. 
Our numbers, of course, show that it's uh, very, very tight, and that's not anything new. Um, what we are seeing on the ground, though, and what we're seeing in terms of our campaigns is that uh, the momentum is is definitely picking up our way. Okay, well, they always say that. They always say the momentum is picking up for us, and we're surging here. Yeah, the NDP seems to be, their hopes rest on a couple things. One, they have to basically almost run the table in Calgary. they got to pick up a lot of seats there from the United Conservatives. They need to a big turnout, particularly amongst low, younger people. That's that's more likely to vote NDP. Yeah. Uh, that's a big. The other one, which seems to be seeing a bit of evidence of this on social media, on Twitter and such, is former progressive conservative um, notables are coming out publicly and saying they're voting for the NDP because they the United Conservative Party is not the Conservative Party they used to be part of or used to support. They're so critical to, of Danielle Smith. Yeah, taking it too far to the right on certain yeah. issues. Uh, former campaign managers, you know, notable people of that party, the old Peter Lougheed type uh, of conservative. Now, are there going to be enough numbers in both of those camps to drive enough seats the NDP's way? I mean, the roadmap for the NDP is very difficult. It's not impossible, yeah. but it's very difficult to get through to get to a majority. I think it's really tough for the NDP, too. Um, they, Like you said, they got to win a ton of seats there in Calgary to flip this. Yeah. So They, they basically, NDP owns most of Edmonton. Uh, UCP is basically all of rural um, yeah. uh, Alberta. Lethbridge is a bit in play as well, um, the right. university there. So there's a bit of a youth vote there as well. Uh, but it really comes down to Calgary and its suburbs. When I spoke to Dwayne Bratt earlier this week on the show, he's a columnist in the Calgary Her- Herald, and he, I thought his analysis was excellent on this mm-hmm. situation in, in Alberta. And he, he made the points that you did. And then he also said that the reason that it's close is because of, of uh, uh, Daniel Smith's controversial leadership. Mm-hmm. And he said there are a lot of United Conservative Party members who are going to vote for her anyway but there may be uncomfortable with it. He said there is, he said he has detected a bit of a whisper campaign among some United Conservatives saying, don't worry, just, just get us reelected and then we'll get rid of her. You know, just like we got rid of Jason Kenney. Okay, so maybe there'll be, a, if she wins, could she face a backlash against her leadership, especially if it's well, a narrow win? If it's a narrow win, sure. Yeah. But it's tough. You know, you win an election and then you're, you're, you're kicked out. That doesn't yeah, happen very often. Right? No. Yeah. I, I think if, if Daniel Smith wins this thing, that should, I think, strengthen her hold on the party, not weaken okay. it. Yeah. Uh, but again, yeah. the proof's in her actions. I mean, she's had a very erratic history uh, of making very controversial statements. If that continues as premier, yeah. that becomes problematic. But we're a long way If people that. are voting on the economy, though, like if people are worried about taxes and yeah. the oil and economy, the the energy economy... You know, yeah, Alberta is very, you know, interesting. Rachel Notley wants to raise the corporate income tax by three points or something, which would still put Alberta way behind other provinces. But you've got to wonder how that plays with Albertans who are notoriously anti-tax. Call me right now. You're going to get through 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Doug in Surrey. Hi, Doug. Go ahead. Hi, guys. How you doing? I live over here where Fraser House rules the roost. They who don't seem to want to talk to anybody, nobody seems to know who's on it. What would it take to replace them? Like, if they uh, are they building an empire and they think they're accountable to nobody? It's like, you know, who, who are these mysterious people that seem to think they can, uh, you know, stamp their foot and the world goes the way they want it to? And as no. for the... Well, they're appointed by the province. Well, the board, the board is appointed by the province. The board appoints the CEO, and then there's vice presidents. It's, yeah. it's not just a, a couple of people. I mean, these health authorities are, Fraser Health Authority is a huge entity. It covers everything from, you know, the Vancouver border all the way to 
Lillooet. I mean, it's a, it's I think or Yale. It's it's a big region, and there's a lot of people there, and there's a, there's a huge administration in that. And they have a lot of autonomy and independence, right? Yeah. To yeah. run the system. I think one of the smartest things the NDP did when they came into power in 2017 is not go back to the old system of the of the 1990s. The NDP put in place so many different health authorities. I think there was almost 70. Yeah. You had these community health coalitions. You had these regional authorities. It was just an unworkable mess. And they kept the model that the BC Liberals brought in early in their mandate, which yeah. is to bring in the existing health authorities. But you're right. They are. They're big. They're independent to a large degree. They don't always listen to the health minister or the health ministry, and I think you're seeing an example of that. Do now. you think? Do you detect any kind of frustration on the part of the health minister Adrian Dix over this story? Like, is he oh, yeah. shaking his head, saying, "Why doesn't this health authority deal with this over oh, here?" I, I detect that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's okay. some frustration there. Okay, Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, guys. Today, I just want to weigh in on uh, my favorite topic: there, Surrey policing. You know, I saw Mr. Lipinski yesterday talking about it's weighing on the members. I can imagine it is. But the fact is, is I'm sure it's weighing on the RCMP members, too. Mr. Lipinski says, oh, we've had people transfer from all over Canada. You don't think people go to depot and, and transfer from all over Canada and, and want to go to Surrey? Yeah, they do. The fact of the matter is, I don't know if it was the NDP, to be honest, or Mr. Lipinski yesterday who said that, that uh, Surrey police is the only one who can keep the city safe. Well, <laughs> Mr. Farnworth, he... You've tied the hands of the RCMP. You're not allowing them to accept transfers. I mean, the, the NDP have made this, it's into a, it, it's such a mess. They should have kept their nose out of it and let the citizens, they voted, they want the RCMP, stay out of it, and the RCMP can have their, can run the city. I mean, it, they're okay. a good police force. I'm sure Surrey's a good police force too. But they, it, they can't be getting into uh, overriding the citizens. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Guys. Have a good day. Yeah, well, Rob's right about one thing. It is a mess. It's been a mess for some time. Um, Not sure what the end game is here, but it's interesting now. The unredacted report is starting to circulate amongst the people who will presumably vote at some point on which direction to to go. Either keep going back to the RCMP or go a different direction with Surrey Police. And the fact that this report is now making the rounds is a bit of a a game changer. Okay, we've got more coverage on the Surrey Police issue coming up here. Robin in Vancouver. Hi, Robin. Go ahead. Yeah, just listen to the NDP screaming with their heads off when the if the Liberals told um, the the doctors to stay quiet, shut up. Just listen to the NDP scream. Then they okay, be well, screaming I, exactly I think, the well, other way. Well, I believe they did because I seem to you know you get deja vu in this job. Is it sort of. The stories tend to when it comes to healthcare. Well, yeah, because when the NDP were in power in the nineties, I think there were, uh, and or when the Liberals were in power, there were complaints around yeah. you know doctors being muzzled and who, stuff. Who so. can talk? And again, it comes to the health authority. Really, they're the ones who basically deal with the doctors. It's not the the central government. It's the the workshop, the workplace. Yeah. That's the workplace environment. That's what Doctor Ips talking about. It's not interactions with the government or the health ministry. It's interactions with basically supervisors and vice presidents in that health authority or in the hospital itself when or being, basically coming in and, and taking down off the wall a poster that doctors have yeah. put up to inform people. Yeah, That's right. a classic bit of micromanaging that's going on there. It's got nothing to do with the government. It's everything to do with the health authority. Yeah.